I'm Sheila. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to season two of Pushing Pediatrics, an educational podcast for physical therapists created to help those studying for the Pediatric Certified Specialist exam and anyone else interested in learning more about pediatric physical therapy. Last year, our episodes were played over 10,000 times to help listeners like you crush the PCS exam, and they did. This year, you can expect more content and even more review to help you feel confident on test day. Let's not waste any more time. Time to study. Hey guys, have you been thinking about joining MedBridge to access the PCS prep program, but just haven't jumped on it yet? Well, we have a special offer for you. We've partnered with MedBridge to offer you all a special discount code on their subscriptions. You can either go onto their MedBridge page and use the code PUSHINGPEDS for $150 off of your subscription, or click on the link on the episode summary to go directly to our Pushing Pediatrics page. Follow us, but not studying for the PCS exam? That's okay. You can still use this discount code as well. Share it with your colleagues and other friends who may be studying for their other specialty exams. You all know how much we utilized MedBridge during our studying and how we based our entire study plan off of their content. So take advantage of this special offer and purchase your MedBridge subscription today. Listener note, this podcast was created as an adjunct for those studying for the PCS exam. By no means do we guarantee that one will pass the exam solely by listening to this podcast. We encourage all those studying for the exam to put the appropriate time and effort into their studying using resources recommended by the ABPTS and the APTA. It is not allowed to discuss test content and we will not accept any questions related to test content. While we will do our best to provide the most accurate information, if you feel as though we have stated something that is incorrect, please contact us via Instagram or Facebook at Pushing Pediatrics or send us an email at pushingpediatrics at gmail.com. Welcome back. This week, we are starting you off with a case sort of off topic from our episode, but still incredibly important to know and understand. We are going over case number five, extreme prematurity and the neonatal intensive care unit. A 32-year-old pregnant female presented to the emergency department with severe preeclampsia. Male infant was born by emergency C-section at 25 weeks, two days, and weighing 550 grams. APCR scores were one at one minute, four at five minutes, and seven at 10 minutes. The infant was intubated in the delivery room due to poor respiratory effort and transferred to a level four neonatal intensive care unit. Of note, the mother's past medical history is significant for chronic hypertension. The prenatal medical screening, including group B strep, was negative. Perinatal course was significant for preeclampsia, superimposed on chronic hypertension, and administration of antenatal steroids. The infant's pertinent history of present illness is as follows. Apnea of prematurity, neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, bronchopulmonary dysplasia, intrauterine growth restriction, and patent ductus arteriosus. The infant is now 34 weeks, 3 days, post-conceptual age, and weighs 1,040 grams. The physical therapist receives a consult to evaluate and treat. 
At the bedside, the therapist notes that the infant is in left side lying in an incubator on five liters per minute of high flow nasal cannula and a nasal gastric tube for feeding is present. From the cardiorespiratory monitor, the vital signs are heart rate 155 to 160 beats per minute, respiratory rate 65 to 75 breaths per minute, oxygen saturation 94 to 95%. The baby's mother is at bedside. Let's start off with general physical therapy plan of care and goals. You want to facilitate typical development and achievement of developmental milestones from birth age to discharge, prevent or minimize secondary impairments, promote appropriate muscle tone and movement pattern development, encourage development of self-regulatory skills and state of arousal, promote infant role, including procuring, social interaction, exploratory play, and feeding, educate caregivers on proper handling techniques, positioning, and developmental activities, and promote the parental role. Promoting the parental role is crucial in the NICU. A lot of our work in the NICU is really family education and family involvement, along with positioning and ensuring that the infant has a positive sensory experience while they continue to develop out of the womb. Physical therapy interventions include determine and facilitate the infant's movement patterns, tone, posture, behavioral organization, including stress signs, and physiologic stability, facilitate quiet alert state and state transitions, minimize stress, promote age-appropriate postural and movement activities, facilitate proper handling techniques and positioning, provide environmental modifications, and nursing and caregiver education. Precautions during physical therapy interventions include continuous monitoring of vital signs and behavioral cues throughout sessions, monitor medical lines and tubes, and determine whether physiologic cost of the examination or intervention outweighs anticipated benefits. Complications associated with physical therapy include pain and stress, decline in physiologic stability, and fractures. Let's go over some evidence-based recommendations. Assessment of general movements is valid and reliable in identifying infants and risk for cerebral palsy. This is grade A evidence. General movements are part of the infant's spontaneous movement repertoire and are whole body movements in a random and variable sequence of the leg, arm, trunk, and neck. They have a gradual beginning and end and appear fluent and elegant. In infants requiring supplemental oxygen, the left lateral and prone positions improve lung function and breathing strategies and result in fewer events of apnea and hypoxia compared to a supine position. This is grade C evidence. In the prone position, a postural support nappy and support roll promote flexed posture, midline orientation, musculoskeletal alignment, and neuromotor function in the lower extremities of a very low birth weight infant. This has grade B evidence. Last, education provided to parents is most effective when multiple methods are utilized, including observation of therapy, verbal instruction, and written handouts. This has grade C evidence. There are some things to remember when going in for an assessment of an infant in the NICU. First, the therapist must remember that assessments can be stressful for the infant. Noting the environment and baseline status can guide the therapist to a more organized and focused session prior to hands-on evaluation. Opening the incubator door slowly and quietly is ideal as it can be disruptive and noisy. 
Providing contained touch is a good way to provide tactile input and begins the hands-on portion of the evaluation or treatment. Being in the NICU can increase chances of positional plagiocephaly, specifically in the male sex and chronic lung disease being two risk factors. It is recommended to spend at least 30 minutes per day in supervised awake tummy time, reducing time spent in swings and infant seats. And you thought our two cases wouldn't be somehow connected. So now we're moving on to our next case this week, which is case 17, congenital muscular torticollis. A 14-month-old male toddler has arrived for a follow-up visit with a physical therapist in a hospital-based outpatient rehabilitation department. The toddler was originally referred to physical therapy at two months of age, diagnosed by his pediatrician with left congenital muscular torticollis and right plagiocephaly. At the one-month well baby check, the child's mother reported the baby's left head tilt and preference to turn his head to the right. The pediatrician recommended increasing pronactivity, tummy time, and reassessment at the two-month wall baby check. Because his left head tilt and positional preference persisted, the patient was referred to physical therapy. He was also referred to a cranial remolding program for evaluation and monitoring of his head shape by a certified orthotist with recommendations for cranial remolding therapy if and when appropriate. The patient has been treated in physical therapy for a total of 20 sessions over the past 12 months. The duration of treatment was prolonged due to delayed acquisition of rolling and sitting unsupported and due to his decreased tolerance of prone positions in play. Initially, weekly sessions tapered to every other week at four months and then monthly at six months until he started walking. The mother is a stay-at-home caregiver and has been able to perform the recommended interventions at the current visit. The patient presents with a head positioned in midline. He has equal and active cervical range of motion for lateral flexion and rotation. His passive range of motion is equal for lateral flexion and within five degrees for cervical rotation. His head shape is grossly symmetrical with residual mild facial asymmetries. The therapist observes that the toddler independently ambulates with his upper extremities held in high guard. The mother reports that her son has been walking independently for three weeks. The reason for this visit is that current evidence supports physical therapy follow-up at 12 months of age or the acquisition of walking in infants diagnosed with a treatment for CMT. Remember to consider the age of the patient. This is not a baby with torticollis. This is a toddler. Let's talk through some PT considerations during management of a toddler with torticollis. General PT plan of care and goals would be resolution of torticollis. Remember those five discharge criteria laid out in the CPGs from Tuesday's episode. Passive range of motion within five degrees of the non-affected side, symmetrical active movement patterns, age-appropriate motor development, no visible head tilt, and the parent caregivers understand what to monitor as the child grows. Interventions for torticollis are heavily focused on parent and caregiver education, but also include things like passive neck range of motion with manual stretching, stretching through carrying, holding, and positioning, neck and trunk active range of motion, trunk and cervical strengthening to promote symmetrical motor development, repositioning, and environmental adaptations. Always remember that passive stretching may be contraindicated in certain orthopedic and neurological conditions, so make sure you're screening for those. Again, referencing back to Tuesday's episode, those five components recommended as the first choice intervention for CMT, neck passive range of motion, neck and trunk active range of motion, 
development of symmetrical movement, environmental adaptations, and parent and caregiver education. And then you can provide supplemental interventions after appraising appropriateness for the infant to augment those first choice interventions. Comorbidities such as plagiocephaly, reflux, developmental delay, cardiac and neurologic conditions may affect outcomes. Torticollis is super common. I am sure most of you who practice in outpatient are very familiar with this diagnosis. It is definitely a must know and study and can be a bit challenging if you're not seeing it regularly in your practice. And even if you do see it, you still need to make sure you've read the most recent CPG. Check out Tuesday's episode where we review it because there may be some takeaways that you need to remind yourself of. Make sure that you know your CMT classification of severity. The case files book is outdated here, so there are eight grades now, which we talked about on Tuesday. Reference the CPG for the up-to-date information of these grades. This case study book is a bit outdated because it uses the CPG from 2013. We really recommend looking at this case and making sure you're familiar with the most up-to-date recommendations from the most recent CPG that we reviewed on Tuesday. Again, we really think reviewing the CPG is the most valuable use of your time. If you feel very comfortable with it, then chances are you're going to be able to answer questions related to torticollis that are presented to you. We've said it before, but we will leave you with one of our favorite tips. Know your CPGs. Happy studying. Thank you all so much for listening to Pushing Pediatrics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pushing Pediatrics. We would love to hear from you. So send us questions, suggestions, things you want to hear more of, and things you'd maybe want to hear less of. We will talk to you guys next time. And remember, you totally got it.